You're listening to Future Tense, the AI show that demystifies the world of artificial intelligence and tells you what you need to know. Join Jeff Joyce and Julia McCoy live right now. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Future Tense. I'm Jeff. Jeff Joyce. Julia is not with us today. He is currently in the process of a move, so you just have me today. <laughs> so today we're going to be going over a few different articles that I found uh, that I thought were really, really interesting, and I think it's important for you to know. So we're going to dive in, and at the end of this episode, I'm going to be sharing my 2024 AI-assisted content strategy, as well as my LinkedIn strategy for the rest of the year. Um I've done this in the past and it worked out really, really well. So I'm very excited to show you that part as well. So make sure you stick around to the end and don't worry if you're not, if you're an audio listener, it can be completely fine. Uh, I will do my best to describe everything to you and not use too many visuals for it. I do, it is a presentation format. However, I am going to be speaking verbally about everything that we're going to do. Plus I'm also creating a video on it. So if you're not subscribed to the content at scale, YouTube channel, make sure that you do so so that we're able to watch the full thing that's in-depth that goes over the tools we'll be using and so forth, and it'll be better presented on there. But this podcast version is definitely just to get the information out as quickly as possible so that way you can start implementing it right now. So let's go ahead and dive into the very first article that we have here. Let me go to share my screen. And we'll do entire screen. There we go. Awesome. So very first article, this is from CBS News, and the title is Lawsuit Facial Recognition Software Leads to Wrongful Arrest of Texas Man. He was in Sacramento at the time of the robbery. Now, this company used AI in order to do facial recognition to track down the culprit of this armed robbery, and they falsely accused somebody of committing the crime based off of that faulty technology that they were using. This is one of the downsides of using an untested AI that you probably shouldn't have been using in the first place. <laughs> now, I under completely understand the benefits of using facial recognition technology. I think that there is a lot of pluses to that, but I think that you need to thoroughly test it. As with any AI technology, you need to make sure that you're thoroughly testing that technology and making sure that it is... 100% accurate if you're going to be accusing somebody of a crime <laughs> that is very, very important for you to get right. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck with these lawsuits like with this gentleman suing with the company Sunglass Hut, which is a uh, which Macy's is the parent company of that company, Sunglass Hut. So he was in jail for nearly two weeks based off of this. And one of the quotes <laughs> That not a day goes by that he doesn't think about it, said his lawyer. When he was okay, we won't go into that part. <laughs> so it's very interesting to see how companies are starting to use AI. And I think that facial recognition does have its benefits, but I don't think that we should be completely relying on it. Even when you're creating content online, when you're writing blog posts, you should still be fact-checking yourself. You should still be adding your own personal touches to it. And I don't think that you should completely just 100% rely on AI to do everything for you. Right now, we are not at that stage where you should be putting all your chips on AI doing it right the first time. You still need to go in and make sure that you follow the craft method, something that Julia came up with, uh, that is really, really helpful for you to quickly turn out AI content in order for you to you know, 
fact check in order for you to go through everything that you need to do in order to make sure it's completely accurate, has your tone of voice, has all the little nuances that you do as a human in the AI form. So this news right here is definitely concerning to me. And this kind of echoes into a lot of different articles that we'll be getting into in future shows as well as today. So let's go ahead and move on to the very next article and let's go ahead and move that pop-up. So this article is from Wired and most it says most top news sites block AI bots. Right-wing media welcomes them. Nearly 90% of top news outlets like the New York Times now block AI data collection bots from OpenAI and others, leading right-wing outlets to like Newsmax and Breitbart to mostly permit them. Now, one thing to note is that even if you're blocking these sites, the AI platforms such as OpenAI are still going to be able to create training data. They have enough information as it is to use their own models to train future models. So one thing that OpenAI is doing is it's using lesser models like uh, GPT 3.5 to train GPT 4 and so forth. And they'll continue to iterate on that process because it's at the, right now, it's really, really good at creating its own trading data on pretty much any topic that it wants to. So the tool that they use in order for them to fact check and detect AI content was a tool called originality.ai. Now we have our own AI detector. I trust it a lot more just due to the fact that it, what we do is that we have a lot less false positives with our AI detector, which I really, really like. It's contentscale.ai and one thing about originality is it's too strict on the way that it detects AI content. And so a lot of the time we have these false positives that show up. And so my concern with this article is that what they're doing is they're running through all these news sources through their platform to see whether or not it's AI generated. But at the end of the day, you're going to receive false positives. So they gave a stat that said... New data shows that over 88% of top-ranked news outlets in the U.S. now block the content, and they're also saying that a good portion of those articles are AI-generated. And it talks about the biases that it detected um, and so forth. Now, I'm one to think that if you're going to run a study and you want it to be kind of impartial, you need to make sure that it's 100% reliable. If you're going through and you're scanning a bunch of news outlets and you're trying to determine whether or not something is AI detected, you need to make sure that the technology works. This kind of echoes the previous article where we we're talking about facial recognition. Anytime that you use an AI technology, you must make sure that it's working correctly. You need to make sure that what you're getting out of it was one usable. Otherwise, you're you're setting yourself up for things like libel and lawsuits going forward, even with AI detection. If you're making these statements about these companies that are supposedly using AI-generated content, it can open up a very nasty can of worms. So on to the very next article. And if you're listening to this, make sure that you leave us a review uh, 
on whatever platform that you're listening on. If you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, make sure that you go to Future Tense AI, search that in the search box for YouTube and make sure that you subscribe and let us know what articles or what news you want us to cover. Also give us feedback about the show. We're always happy to take your feedback. And I'm sure once Julia is back, she'll be able to read all those comments as well. And uh, she'll be back next Tuesday. So I'm very excited for her to be back. The next article that I want to go into is from Hootsuite. Uh, Hootsuite is a scheduling platform for social media where you're able to schedule anything that you want, any type of content, whether that's text, video, um, images, carousels. You can schedule that all with Hootsuite. If you're not sponsored by them, I have used the platform in the past. I did think it was pretty good, pretty expensive, but pretty good. So this was their social media trends report for 2024. And what really was interesting about this was the new AI trends section. And what we have here says the AI trend, AI forces brands to redefine authenticity. Generative AI created a seismic shift when it broke into mainstream in 2022 and sparked a whole new range of emotions typically reserved for fellow humans. Interest was so high that from 2022 to 2023, topics on learning about AI increased by 550%, according to analysis we conducted of over 15,000 articles. And social media markers have jumped on the bandwagon. Organizations report that they're planning to double their use of AI across various activities, even tripling or quadrupling it in some cases. And so one of the stats that really stood out to me was this increase. Increase in how much organizations plan to use AI for customer support activities. This is like AI chatbots. And if you remember from one of our previous episodes, we were talking about the failures of DPD, it's a delivery service, and how somebody talked to the chatbot and got it to swear at them. And we had another instance where an AI chatbot sold a Chevy truck for $1. So <laughs> this is the, the theme of today's episode. Should you trust completely AI technology? The answer to that very, very quickly is no. You should not trust it completely. You should not trust it blindly. You should always check on it and make sure that it's working correctly and you're getting the, de the desired outcome. So increase in how much organizations plan to use AI for editing images in 2024 was up 260%. I will say that over the course of these past I would say four months, AI image generation has gotten a lot better. Even down to Dolly, which is OpenAI's version of AI image generation, it's gotten really, really good. And obviously you have Midjourney, which is kind of the, the top tier. That is the best of the best. And then you have Dolly, and then you have, in my opinion, Firefly right below that. Firefly is from, from Adobe. And I'm very, very interested to see the commercial applications from Adobe because Adobe has their own stock footage library that they're using to train its AI for creating images, for creating video content, for creating all these things that are going to be very, very useful for businesses all across the world. So let's continue on the article. And it says generative AI may be a source of hope for busy professionals like you, but it's not without risks. Our survey revealed that audiences are not necessarily embracing AI and AI-generated content as much as social media marketers are flocking to it. 62% of consumers say they are less likely to engage with and trust content if they know it was AI, it was created by an AI application. So my opinion on this is that you should always be adding to AI generated content. At the end of the day, 
I've echoed this a lot on this podcast is that AI is a tool for you to use. You shouldn't be solely relying on it. You shouldn't just let it take the driver's seat. You should still be in the driver's seat and use the tool to augment your own capabilities. Whether you're writing long form content with a tool like Continent Scale, you should still be going in and making edits yourself to then improve on that and make it so that way it resonates with your audience. One way for you to completely ruin the trust with your audience is just to generate something out of AI, especially things like ChatGPT, and just use it plainly like that. You should still go and look at that piece of content and say, how can I improve this, make this better? How, what can I add to this? What opinion can I give to this that would shape it to where my audience, it'll resonate with my audience? And if you're thinking about it in terms of SEO, that will help you satisfy that eat, which will establish that your authority in Google, you want to make sure that you're always looking through that lens of how can I improve this myself in order to make sure that it completely resonates with my audience. So if we continue in the article, it says different generations also have different levels of trust towards AI generated content, according to our survey. Gen Z, for example, are more likely to claim they know what's real and what's created by AI better than other generations. I believe that. I think that they're more in tune with content in general. They be, they'll scroll constantly on TikTok. They'll scroll through news articles, and it's just, it's so it's so mainstream for them that they are completely engrossed all the time with AI content. So I, it doesn't surprise me that they would think that they can detect AI more than other generations. They're also most also more likely to trust and engage with AI content. On the other hand. Baby boomers are the opposite on all accounts. And I, I, can, I can completely see why. <laughs> I think that it's very hard to wrap your head around uh, AI actually providing value, and it can provide value. You can set up AI to absolutely um, provide a ton of value to whoever you're trying to reach. Um, but you just need to guide it, and you need to be in the driver's seat and give it the information that it needs in order to execute on it correctly. So AI for all, for, for the ages, thinking about social content generated by AI, rate your agreement. This is the actual survey that they, they gave, and this is the results of that survey. So thinking about social content generated by AI, rate your agreement with the following statements. And it, we have four categories for each of these. We have Gen Z, Millennials, Generation X, and Baby Boomers. So the statement is, if I know something is created by an AI application, I am less likely to engage with it. So we have Gen Z at 20%, we have millennials at 22%, we have Generation X at 28%, and we have baby boomers at 33% for that statement. And this kind of echoes the entire graph for all of these questions. And some of the questions they also asked were, if I know something is AI written by an AI application, I am less likely to trust it. These are all in the 20% as well. Uh, it's hard to tell what images are real or fake created by created using AI. These are all hovering around that 17 to 22% as well. It's And then the last question is, it's hard to tell what information is real or fake. I think that this one is the big, the big one. I, yeah, you, you can get really good image deep fakes, but there's plenty of technology out there to actually make sure that it, you can detect whether or not an image is fake. For instance, um, back in the day, there was a one of the ways that they would combat video that was either pirated 
or it was on, it was ripped from YouTube or something like that, that they, they would put these small pixels in the corner of the screen or in, in, the, in the corner of the video itself. And then they would use a application in order to detect those variations in those pixels in order to make sure that, or, or in order to know whether or not that that was ripped from online. That same technology of watermarking images and videos will be implemented here in the near future. And I don't think we're too far away from that. I think that we're just maybe six to eight months away from seeing that implemented. I think that YouTube will probably be one of the first ones to implement that when it comes to AI-generated content. You know, also, possibly TikTok, they're also going really hard to making sure that they have uh, AI detection in place so that can detect creators that are using AI. So even having users add a caption to their videos indicating that what they're that what the user is seeing is AI generated, which I think is a really important step. And it's a way for us to really protect everybody from malicious use of AI. Hey, Fernandez, how's it going? So this is really, really stud uh, this this study is really, really interesting. I really like the to see the actual kind of skepticism around AI and what the, gen the difference in gener generations are and how they're kind of thinking about AI. Um, more in the article, it kind of goes over how to work smarter with AI and so forth, and it gets into other industry facts. So all in all, I think that the younger generation is better set up for AI. And one of the things I also talked about, talked about in a previous episode is that you want to make sure that you're not afraid to use AI based off of something like this survey. What's ultimately going to be the, the decider of whether or not a con piece of content from AI is acceptable is going to be people purchasing or interacting with your content. And I think that if you just make sure that you're having some type of human value added to your AI content, it's going to make it that much better for your audience. So now what I want to get into is I've actually created, we're going to get dive right into my 2024 strategy for content creation. And if you're an audio listener, do not worry about it. Uh, I will be talking about this in verbal visual detail. <laughs> and you'll also be able to see uh, the full video once it's released on the Continent Scale YouTube channel. So let's go ahead and go into present mode here. And I'll take a drink of water. So I captain this, steal this, my AI-assisted viral content strategy for 2024. So last year I ran an experiment. And the question that I had in mind is, could I use AI to create viral content? I'm not talking about a huge volume of content, but quality content that actually would get views and engagement. That was my main concern and main priority with AI. And if you don't know my story, before I started working in AI, I ran a video agency. And what we would do is that we would create, we'd work with creators to create a long form piece of video content, whether that be a podcast, a Q&A, or any type of just long form video. We would then take that video and then repurpose that content at scale. We would do a, you know, upwards of 60 shorts, per long form video, depending on if it was Q and A or not. If it was Q and A, we'd had them answer 60 questions in 60 minutes. And that would kind of fuel 
the shorts for us. And then we'd upload the full thing to the YouTube channel. And so this strategy that I'm going to lay out to you for you today puts that on steroids. This is my strategy going forward. And I think that this is going to add so much clarity to what you need to do in 2024 to really ramp up your content creation. And yeah, let's go ahead and go further. So this is the result of that experiment that I ran last year. So for you audio listeners, on the left-hand side of my screen, I have four different videos. There's plenty more with all varying view counts. One of the highest from that experiment was 500,000 views on one of the videos. Then we have 100,000, then we have 102,000, we have 84,000 views. And the actual results in terms of actually getting, acquiring followers and stuff like that is for Facebook, we acquired 17,313 Facebook followers, 3,056 Instagram followers, 1.1 million views on shorts, 229,000 minutes viewed on Facebook, 222,000 minutes watched on YouTube, 90,600 views on YouTube as, as a whole, and 1,536 subscribers on YouTube. This is all in the course of five months, and this wasn't a huge volume of content at the time. It was just a small group of videos that had excellent results. So in 2024, I'm aiming to exceed that by incorporating an AI strategy that aims to use AI to the max. So let me welcome you to something I call AI content that scales. That is definitely a working title. It is playing on the content at scale. And if you don't know what content at scale is, it's an SEO article writing platform that uses AI to create excellent SEO optimized blog articles from various different sources. And we're going to get into those sources here shortly. So let's dive in. So this is hand-drawn <laughs> for you audio listeners. I'd made some doodles here on the screen to kind of break this up as best as possible. For the actual video that we posted on the Continent Scale YouTube channel, I'll make sure that this is better presented. But for speed, I wanted to make sure that I got this out to you guys today. And really, you can start implementing Sorry, that you can start implementing this right now because I think it is that powerful. This is something that we're doing right now ourselves for the Future Tense podcast, and we're seeing great results already. So after this presentation, I'm also going to be going into my LinkedIn strategy, and I'll be outlining that for you guys. But let's continue on this. So our goal is to create one long form video. This is, whether it's a podcast, whether it's just you talking to the camera, we want one long form video piece of content. We want you to sit in front of the, your computer from your, your desk and just talk about the topics that are relevant to your niche where you can provide a ton of value. Now, this works even better in podcast format if you can tackle a bunch of different topics. That way, you have a bunch of different things you can clip out that are highly relevant to your audience. This is kind of what we do with Future Tense. What we do is we source a bunch of different news articles, and we feed that information to you. We give our opinions on it, so we add value to the article. We're not just reading it verbatim. We're adding value and then giving our takes on it and what might be actionable about that. And then that then serves as content chunks to then be repurposed. So this is where this really gets neat. We take that long form video and we go to content scale and we turn that long form video into a podcast or into, into a blog article. So if I go to content scale, let me go to open up a new tab here. I go to projects. 
I go into one of my projects and I click write a post. You'll see here that there's a ton of different sources for you to create a blog article. And one of those sources is a YouTube video or a podcast episode. So whether you have an audio version of your podcast where you don't feel comfortable on video, that's completely fine. Upload it as a podcast episode and it'll create an original piece of content based off the content that's within that video. Now, my recommendation is, is that you don't just want a transcript of the video. You want additional value added to what you're talking about. And that's what that's where this is really, really good is when you upload it, it's searching the top ranking articles on Google for more information about whatever it is you're talking about and adding that to the article. That gives it a whole new sense of depth. And I see so many people that when they do podcasts and they create a blog out of it is that it's just a regurgitation of everything that's in the video. So why would I read the blog post if I can just watch the video? And that's where that's what we're solving with that is that we're adding additional content to it and additional depth that makes the article unique from the video while still referencing what's inside of the video, which is very, very, very powerful. So let me go back to the doodle here. So once we create that blog post, we get it published to our site, the video will be embedded into that blog post. So that's excellent for Google. Google's, Google's gonna love that, that you have an actual video that represents your article, awesome stuff. But from that, we're going to use Amy to then create three to four high quality social posts from that. And what you do is you go back to content at scale, you go to the generative AI suite, and on the right-hand side, you're going to see a sidebar that has an entire Amy suite. Now, not this is for a, a future topic that I'm gonna be talking about here shortly, but let me go ahead and go into this tab right here. So here we have Amy chat. We have AI agents and we have blueprints. These are the three pillars of creating content that is, that is generated by AI, but is a more shorter, it's a shorter form content. This is good for like social posts or creating content in chunks, whether you're creating newsletters and so forth. But right now we're just focusing on social posts. So one of my favorites that I just created was a LinkedIn post creator with hook and rehook. And I'll get more in detail about what that actually means. But what you're essentially doing is you're taking sections from your blog post that are about a certain topic that you covered in your podcast, and you're feeding that to one of the post creators that we have. That will then take that, create the hook. It'll create a rehook to re-engage the audience. So you captured their, their attention. Then you rehook them in to get them to want to read everything that's posted in there. So then it creates those two hooks for you and then creates the body of it. And then at the end, it gives them a call to action to interact with you. And that is how to create very good, very targeted social media posts from your blog posts. And this is going to save you a ton of time. Imagine having to go go from your uh, your podcast and then create a handwritten article and then create social posts on top of that. And then... <laughs> try to repurpose it with all those steps that you have to go through. This will save you so much time and they can just schedule the posts out on all the different platforms. So this gives you about three to four high quality posts per platform. Now I'm not counting all the different platforms that you're posting on in this. I'm just giving you, I'm just talking about the raw output that you're getting that's being repurposed. If we calculated everything, you'd be at like 100 plus posts based off of all the platforms you're possibly posting on. But this is just from that single blog post get three to four high quality posts for your social media platforms. And like I said, this is content at skill.ai to do that. But then on top of that, 
what we're doing with that video content is we're going to Opus Pro. Opus Pro is an AI platform that chops up your video content into clips. It also adds captions. It can automate B-roll for you, so you can add that in. For my testing, I don't really use the B-roll that much. I don't think it's that helpful or that good right now, but I have spoken to the Opus Pro team and they are looking to add in better options for B-roll, whether that be AI-assisted B-roll or the option for you to upload your own B-roll to your shorts and your clips. So, and one thing I do wanna mention is that for Opus Pro, the numbers that I give here are a low ball estimate of what you get back. Typically, whenever I submitted a an hour long plus video, I'm getting more than 20 videos. But what we're doing is we're going into Opus, we're feeding it that long form video, we're then going through the, all the, the prompts that it'll give you, selecting the format that we want, whether that be nine by 16 or 16 by nine. But for this, we definitely wanna focus on the nine by 16. This will go on TikTok, this will go on your Facebook reels, your Instagram reels, your YouTube shorts, and even your LinkedIn or Twitter, whatever that you wanna post it on, wherever you're trying to build an audience. So it'll automatically create 20 plus clips for you, for you to use. And then that is it. And I know that sounds like a lot of video content because you need to think about, well, I have to go through and I have to create descriptions for every single one of these. I have to change out the titles. And yeah, you could do that. You absolutely could. You can use Amy within Content at Scale to then go through and redo your titles, redo your descriptions, but you don't necessarily have to. What you want to do is upload all this content and get enough data back from these, these platforms to then make informed decisions to change how you're interacting with that content, how you're changing that content, how you're working with your titles. Are clickbait titles working? Maybe if I use certain keywords in my titles, those are working better uh, and your, your descriptions and so on. So you can make informed decisions with analytics from all these platforms by just uploading. YouTube is at a 28 day delay for their analytics. Like for instance, I'm still waiting currently on the future tense analytics to come back. So that way I can make these educated uh, changes to the way that we do our titles, the way we do our description. But when you're starting out, you don't need to worry about any of that. You can just directly schedule these pieces of content directly from Opus. You can actually go in and let me actually pull up Opus real quick. Just so that I can show you a visual representation of what I'm talking about. So I'm gonna go into my dashboard. And you can see that we're, we're heavy users of Opus right now. <laughs> so we just ran out of credits. I just free upped for another 21 hours of processing time. So if I go in here, these are all the clips that were generated with AI. And if I go into the share button, I can publish it directly. I can schedule this and it automatically has the title and description in there for me. When you're starting out, that is really all you need. You don't need anything fancy, get the data, from publishing and then make those decisions on whether or not you need to change. Because for every industry and every niche, it's gonna be different. There's gonna be descriptions that are better straight out of AI than what you're coming up with. There's gonna be industries and niches that you're going to have to go in and you're gonna to have to change the title and you're gonna to have to change the description. It just depends on the niche and industry. So just do the tests, continue to pump out these, these videos and get the information back so we can make those decisions. So this is the nine by 16 video format. And if I go back, let me show you the 16 by nine. So it takes the full recording, chops it up and into videos that are anywhere from uh, 90 seconds to three minutes. 
So that's the kind of sweet spot that we're looking for. And we're looking to really create these YouTube clips. I don't want to call these shorts. I want to call these clips because it is that 16 by nine long widescreen format that you're viewing on desktop, you're viewing on TV and so forth. So for this, we actually haven't even been able to uh, capitalize on this part of it yet um, because then you had to create the, the thumbnails with that, which AI is really good for. And I will be releasing an AI um, thumbnail uh, or a, a way for you to create AI thumbnails pretty quickly, but it, it that will that will be coming later. Right now we're focusing on the, on the actual creation of the content itself. So all these videos are are great. It it'll score them for you. It'll tell you what's good about the video. For instance, this one says the video uh, effectively captures the viewer to the viewer's attention with an interesting hook. The speaker maintains a clear focus throughout, providing examples and explanations to support their point of view so it tells you what's good about each video and why and you can use that information as well to then inform you on what makes a good clip so for instance if i scroll down and i go to one to like any of the worst scoring ones like we have 60 right here um so the feedback it's giving back is but could benefit from including a call to action for a better complete structure so it's telling me to include a call to action based off of it analyzing the script or the transcript from the short video. Excellent stuff. That's gonna give you so much information that by the end of your 28 days, you're, you're gonna know exactly what works. And the thing is, is you're publishing such a high volume of content that you're gonna have a ton of data to work with. You're gonna know what, what times to post. You're gonna know uh, what keywords to post. And you're gonna know how to formulate a title and description that really captures and motivates your potential viewers into watching entire clips entire videos so let's get back to this doodle that we have here so we've gone over taking the long-form video creating a blog post out of it creating three to four high quality social posts from that taking that same long-form video creating video the 9 by 16 tiktok youtube shorts videos 20 of those 20 plus of those and then also creating at least and three-minute clips for YouTube. You can also post these on Facebook. You can post them at anywhere that you want to post your content. But this is going to keep you top of mind for your audience. It's going to keep you constantly in their view, their viewpoint, and it's going to enable you to really increase your reach drastically, and to give you a ton of data to work with. So I hope you enjoyed that part. The next thing that I want to get into is the LinkedIn strategy that we're currently doing. I also have Julia uh, as a guinea pig for this part as well. So but before I do that, I'm going to read some comments here. So somebody, this workflow yields, yields potentially hundreds of pieces of content, all from one little podcast episode and a few clicks. Absolutely. And I see Julia here in the comments as well. Hello, fellow co-host. Your co-host is in the comments while running around moving. <laughs> so glad to have you here, Julia. So let's dive in to my LinkedIn strategy for 2024. So for LinkedIn, I want you to think about what actually matters on LinkedIn. And let me tell you a story. So in last year, I got interested in LinkedIn after not being interested in LinkedIn at all. I hated LinkedIn. I thought it was the worst social platform because every single time that I got on LinkedIn, it was 
just people bombarding me with sales messages telling me to buy their stuff. It just felt so inauthentic. There wasn't a ton of value for me to get from LinkedIn because everywhere I turned, it was just somebody trying to sell me something and very poorly trying to sell me something. They wanted from me. They weren't giving any value to me. So why would I go on LinkedIn? And then that changed late last year when I started to watch other creators and really connect with them and understand what it is they're doing and see their content. These were creators on the platform that were really providing tools and resources for me to increase my education and learn more about a ton of different stuff that I was interested in. And that was, that shot off a light bulb in my head. I was like, maybe this platform has two sides to it. It has the bad side where you get bombarded with the in-mail, somebody trying to sell you their latest dog grooming kit, or it has the other side, which is a tight knit group of creators creating educational content that you can consume in a social environment that allows you to engage and allows you to really build not only your reputation, but build a kind of cult following. I think that LinkedIn is a very, very powerful platform for that. So let's dive into what my uh, 2024 strategy for LinkedIn is. So it really consists of two different things. One is going to be creating really good, high quality, engaging posts, which is going to be about, I'd say 20 to 30% of my effort. But then the other side of that is providing really good and engaging comments, really engaging with other creators and their community, and then growing my audience that way. And if you follow some of the top LinkedIn creators, they're going to tell you that what you should be doing is, you know, posting every single day, commenting on at least 30 different people's posts and really interacting and doing that every single day without fail. And then you're going to get, you know, the, the coveted, you know, top voice in whatever niche you're in. Plus you're going to get, you know, a ton of followers and people are going to absolutely love you. But I think that, that is just overwhelming. Not everybody has all the time in the world in order for you to create all that content, do all of that engagement. It is just so much work. And I, for one, I know that I don't have the time to do that. So as a solution, what we did at Content at Scale is we created two bots for LinkedIn, two chatbots that are so good that I, I'm, I'm doing this every single day now. Like I'm just commenting. I am creating posts as much as possible. Now, I'm not going to do posts every single day, but once, twice, three times a week, good. But what matters most and what there's somebody called, um, let me go to my notes here and actually get his name so I say it correctly. Uh, it was Jasmine Alec on LinkedIn where he was talking about what matters most on LinkedIn is not necessarily your posts. Yeah, posts are important. They're absolutely important. They're essential to you, for you to kind of show your authority. But what really gets views are the, your, is your engagement. It's you communicating with other creators. It's you commenting on posts. It's you adding value in those posts. And that will, make, that will show up in the feed a lot more than your actual posts will. But over time, that compounds and you start to get more engagement and more and shown more on, in the algorithm and in the feed. So what you want to do is comment as much as you can on other people's posts and then 
publish when you can, but make sure that it's high quality on your actual timeline. So let's take a look at what we created here. So let me share my screen in just a second here. And let me find the post that I used just a second ago. I have a post here from Nashin Chen. And let me add my... There we go. So this is a post here from Nashin Chen. And she teaches people how to be confident speakers, which is an awesome uh, niche, I should say. But I mean, I find this valuable. I, I don't consider myself a confident speaker. So seeing her information is awesome. I, I think she provides a ton of value. She creates awesome videos and her posts always are really, really good. Like for instance, this post has 200 270 plus um, likes and over 230 comments, seven reposts, and it was posted five hours ago. So excellent post. Now, what I did is at continent scale, we have two different LinkedIn blueprints to use. We have LinkedIn post responder, which is what creates your comments. And we have LinkedIn posts with hook and rehook, which is what I talked about earlier. So we're gonna focus on the LinkedIn post responder. So I definitely read her post. I went through it because it was something that's actually interested in and it resonated with me because who doesn't need to improve their speaking? I definitely do. And I think that that's excellent content. So I definitely wanna leave a comment. So what I did is I pulled this blueprint and the blueprint says, I'm an AI assistant designed to help you craft insightful, relevant, and engaging comments for LinkedIn posts. To start me, please provide the LinkedIn post or comment you're interested in responding to. So it doesn't just have to be the post. You can respond to other people in the comments. So that way you have more context. So possible areas of consideration include, include post content, impact, implications, any or any unique perspectives you feel should be brought up. I will generate three potential responses designed to spark discussion and be of value to the original author and other readers. Each response will also include a question aimed at encouraging further engagement. If necessary, we can refine these responses based on your feedback. Let's get started. And so that's exactly what I did as I got started. I copied her post. I just went over to LinkedIn, selected everything, and posted it inside of this blueprint. There you could see the, the complete post. And so it generated three responses for me. And these responses are really, really good. So let me read her post to you. How to speak like a pro, even if it's your, if it's your first time. Lessons from speaking at 100 plus events. I've been on the stage for more than 17 years. I was learning how to speak better every time. And learning things on your own is a slow process. But experience is the best teacher you can have. My experience, my experience taught me everything. Now I'm a public speaking coach, and I want to help you all today. I bring five things I wish I knew before I started. Next time you, next time you speak in public, do it like a pro. P.S. Uh, which of these do you find most helpful? So the responses I got back were, this is a great post filled with invaluable advice for anyone looking to improve their public speaking skills. I found your experience based off based insights really help give practical context uh, to the to the advice you're, you're offering. From your list, the point about experience being the best teacher really resonated with me. 
And I, I, I agree with that. I absolutely do. Uh, and even in, in, the, in the actual post from, from this blueprint, it says, I agree, I agree that opportunities for real-world practice can often lead to learning uh, that's more deep and lasting. What's one strategy you recommend for people looking to find more of these opportunities? So that's an excellent comment. So, and it, it gives me two more. So I can choose from these. I can mix and match. I can give it feedback. And one of the ways that you can empower this even more is that say that you have an opposite opinion of a creator. You copy the post and then you feed it in. But then all you do is at the end is you add a note. You just type note and then you say whatever it is your opinion is. And that's a good way to get engagement on its own is that when you do that, you're giving an opposing view for not only the creator to read, but also their entire audience. That's going to get you more eyeballs and get you more interaction. So that is my content strategy for LinkedIn is basically commenting consistently, making sure that I'm providing value in the comments, making sure I'm providing valuable posts, and then also doing it consistently. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Future Tenants podcast, and we will see you Tuesday at the usual time. Next Thursday, we will not have a Future Tenants podcast live. It will be a recording. Julie and I will be out of town, so we will film it, and then I will upload it for you guys to enjoy. But I hope that you found a ton of value in this episode. I had a ton of fun doing it, and don't forget that if you're listening on whatever platform you're listening in, you should... Definitely leave us a review. Send me an email, jeff at contentscale.ai. Let me know what we can improve about this podcast. We are very, very passionate about growing this and we want to take it to the moon. So any advice or anything that you can give us is going to be awesome and very, very helpful. And if you're waiting to see the full video for this, keep your eyes peeled. Make sure that you go to Continent Scale um, YouTube channel over on YouTube and subscribe to that channel as we will be posting that video in the next couple of weeks. So tons of fun. I'm super excited for Julia to be back next week. <laughs> so it's not just me talking to you guys, but I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. All right. Bye, everybody.